My favorite part of that episode, though, because it's, it's fresh in my mind, is Joel going. Um, really? That's how you pour a beer? I'm terrible at pouring beers. <laughs> it's all head. That might. Which I'm fine with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well done. You get a point. Those are long just so you can tilt them okay. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point. Exactly. I don't own these glasses. <laughs> I, I pour normally into an Iron Man glass. <laughs> you That's should right. do it with the Iron Man glass. It doesn't matter if it's a plastic Tupperware or a sippy cup. You're sippy still. Cup. Yeah. Gotta lean on it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, don't do it like Jose in a long glass, straight up and down. And join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. I'm Jose. And I'm another Jose. Yeah. And this week, we are going to talk about two things that most people agree with that we, we don't. We just don't. And it's I, I love this idea. But anyway, first, we have... Um, so, I just want to say, first of all, that I feel so horrible that I was unable to be recording over the last few months. Can I just add that sure. that's ridiculous? <laughs> and if you want to... Beat this out because you don't want anyone to know. No, it's fine. You're a new father. Yeah. So I feel especially bad because you're the one that's doing editing at one, you said one at night last night. Yeah. And uh, I do nothing except talk and get drunk. But so. you're the best, <laughs> but you're I, the best part of the show. Oh, Every, everyone I talk oh, to is always like, when do we get to meet Joe? Right. Yeah. Leave that out. And I'm not going to say you're not the best part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not. But. Dude, see, stop with that. That's ridiculous. So, Jose, but so can, I, uh, can we do a cheers, cheers. right now? And I, uh, I'm sorry, oh, I don't have beer. Yeah, yeah. So I've been so busy with my baby that I've not had time. It's just so crazy, and that's horrible. Why are you putting your baby in front of these podcasts? <laughs> I know. I thought you were committed to this process. I know, right? Priorities. <laughs> but I also want to say thank you to. Jose. Normally, when I'm with Jose, I'm Jose B. He's Jose. Oh, right on. Right, because yeah. But um, yeah, this is his third time. I think you now have the yeah. record for yeah. number of we've had guest a two spots. timer. Yeah, the other one is. Oh yes, that's I'm sorry. Right. The other one is Jerry. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, do we have a, like a uh, end name or something, or what was that? Well, because I call him. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be a great like yeah. nickname. That's cool. Like that. <laughs> but we do have to cheers on that. That's cheers. Right. Three. Beautiful man. <laughs> Talk about a beautiful baby. You did not get a side phone baby. No, no thank you. You've got a strong work of making a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well done. I know, right? I did. I, I helped out by doing the one thing that I enjoy doing anyway. So yeah, <laughs> it is a double bonus. It that is. whole baby thing. Definitely. But uh, we have an amazing beer that I've never had before. B four one zero. Yeah, what's that mean? It is, I mean, I've never had it, and it's Santa Maria Brew, and it's really good. Hey, Jose, you loved it on the first uh, sip, too. Yeah, from the first sip, it's really easy to drink. It's it's a double IPA, but it's not, um, it doesn't punch you in the face like some double IPAs do, right? That's my whole thing. Like, from from sip number one, it was pretty tasty, so. But you can tell it's still lovely. Yeah, well done. Well, I was like, I want to get something local. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I have a membership actually to SM Brew, San Ray Brew. Oh. I have a, I have a, one of those growlers. Yep, I just never have time to go. 
Yeah, it's really good. And if you are like me and you're kind of over IPAs, this one is for you. And in our tradition of reading the label, it's been said a ship is safest in harbor, but that's not what ships are for. And like its namesake ship, Santa Maria Brewing was built for the insatiably curious. So pull up your anchors and raise up your pints and let's go explore. Ah, get rid of all that. It doesn't tell us anything about what kind of beer this is. It's a delicious ass beer. No, oh, there we go. 8.2% alcohol by volume. By volume. That's, that means we're getting drunk on it. It's a man beer. That's, that's a man a, beer. That's basically. This is this is really so good. good. Yeah, it's good. I feel like this is an appropriate time to promote um, uh, PD for me beer club. Please. For, oh, I'm sorry. Didn't go last time. I'm gonna we, Our first meeting was at Sam Maria Brew. It was a, oh, really? it was a small but very excited group. Can't wait our, to go. our next session is going to be the second of whatever the next month is. Uh-huh. April. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at my house. Okay. I'm brewing right. two things right now. I'm brewing a, an Irish red mm-hmm. and a double IPA. Or no, regular, a single IPA. I am so looking And so to I'm looking for folks we'll to be come there. out. That is going to be right. fun. Bring something that you want to share. I'll have mm-hmm. a couple of things that I want to share. We'll do some tasters. We'll drink some beer. It'll be fun. But no, I want to go. Last time I forget what I had. I was double booked that night. So. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's busy. We got busy lives, but I just. But I want to go. Just... April second. Did I say second? Yes. If that's a Tuesday. It's April second. Okay. If it's uh, not a Tuesday, it's whatever the Tuesday is. Whatever that April Tuesday 2nd. is. Right on. I will be there. <laughs> and thanks for putting those on. That's going to be like a monthly or every other month. Beer There's... club or yeah, the brew club is monthly, and some of our other PD for me's are weekly. And then some are like every other week. Like the oh, movie club, right. the next uh, movie club is going to be on Tuesday of next week, and they're going to go see Captain Marvel. Hell no, yeah. we need right? to, I need so to we buy, that. Smia buys the tickets, so you can just show up, and then mm-hmm. afterwards you guys have kind of like a round-robin conversation, book club style. I mean, this is it's amazing. Great. That's incredible. This is a huge this issue is huge. with teach, teaching. This is a huge stress reliever here. But I'm thinking good for Smia, too, for doing stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, stress in, and, and uh, for educators is on the rise, so it's, it's in the top ten in, in several studies as far as work-related stressors. Actually, in some, it's even in the top five. Because oh, wow. our wow. job is just getting harder and harder because of all the external demands, right? State, right. federal, local, county. I mean, there's a lot of different folks with their hands in public education. And yeah. every, people are just like, it's too much. Yeah. So we yeah. need things. If you don't already have a de-stressor, like yeah. my wife teaches dance. Uh, That's like her de-stressor. For yeah. her, she does that, and that kind of takes the, the yeah. classroom day away. But yeah. most people don't have that. They mm-hmm. go from stressful work to stressful home. Yeah. Right. They need something in the middle. Right. To suck it away at least for a short period of time. Hugely important. Yeah. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes. Though we tend to be long-winded, chatterbox, we go with loquacious, but whatever. So that isn't a strict time limit. Joel, what do you have for us this week? Tides are totally misunderstood. Yeah, they are. Now, I like to do this. You probably know this. I like to ask questions. How many tides, low tides and high tides, do we have a day? Eight. Eight. One. Eight and one, split the difference. Four. 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 Yes. Okay. Woo! Sometimes we have three. Sometimes we have, I think we might have five. But if it's just prices, right? I'm embarrassed I know that song. 
That is, that is a beautiful song. It is. Yeah. And so, people think that tides are entirely affected only by what? What would be the what? The moon. Thing? Good. What, what though? So that's, that's true, and that's the majority of it. So mm-hmm. that's like 90% true. But what might be the other factors at, um, affecting tides? Rotation of the Earth. Yes! Holy shit! What? You always do this to me, Mo. Right? When I say Mo, you know the next word, Mofo. Mofo. But why do you know that? Because of what? So do you really know this? Wait, I thought the Earth was flat. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get a flat Earther. You gotta get a flat Earther. Who is it? You know? I have a cousin. A Let's flat get earther. him. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, get a flat Earther and a Trump supporter on. Yeah. <laughs> the comedy It'd be hour. Fun. So, so why? It's yeah. because the Earth is. Revolving at 44,000 miles an hour. Are you freaking kidding me that you actually know this? It's because it's in a it's in an Eric Idle song, Money Python. Are you kidding <laughs> me? You get your science from from yeah. goofball songs? It's, yeah. it's in a song. From slapstick comedy. So yeah. the centrifugal force yeah, <laughs> plays awesome. on it. Exactly. And it's not the same type, like, because the earth is spinning, that it creates, like, a disc and then the water... Um, it's actually like there is a point between the moon and the earth right. where the moon and the earth are both re- uh, rotating around that one point. Okay. And that creates centrifugal force on the earth. So that's the outside of the earth okay. that creates the, the tide because it's pulling on the outside farthest away from the moon. Uh-huh. And then the moon creates the other one. So that creates two sort of. High tides a day and two low tides. This is way too short of a time to even explain this. I know. So I won't try. But if that makes any sense. And then there's another deal going on. We're at the poles. There's no. There's not as much force being exerted by the moon. Okay. So it's it's almost like Earth's gravity is being pu- is pulling the ocean way more. Like I think it's something like ten thousand times more. Something that I can't remember the figure. Um, than the moon, of course. Because, yeah, because it's here. And of course, the, what other celestial object also pulls a little bit? The sun. sun. And so when the sun and the moon line up, that's when we get these things called spring tides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the coastal cities will sometimes barely flood. Oh, yeah. Venice, yeah, yeah. you heard about that. Yeah. And then, so, getting off the topic. So, the poles are a little bit less far from the, or more far more from f- the yeah. moon. Moon, then we the, like to say further, equator further. <laughs> it's okay, that's right. More, more far work. You years, you years. <laughs> and so, um, there's actually a downward pull to the center of the earth, of course, because the earth's oh, what earth's gravity, right? At that point, yeah, yeah. So, it's like this squeezing, uh, from the poles inward there. Like a squeezing a pimple or something. Is that why they say the earth is not necessarily round? It kind of has like a a chubby middle. It is. It's a disc. It's like an oblong. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, that's that's the uh, tie. Okay, so and I have to ask you that wrong. Do you like this when he asks you questions while he's talking? Actually, well, I know, dude. And everyone listening has to believe me. I do that. not. Like, that's crazy. I don't feed him these answers, and no. I keep on thinking I'm gonna stump you. Oh, I don't. Like, there's no that's way. That's why you do it. I thought this was like, gonna be the one. I like it because I get. <laughs> I, I feel smart. <laughs> You're like, like I know but that you, Damn it! He does not feed me the answers. I just have like a Jeopardy style. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Trivia guy. Trivia. Would there you, you go. Would you go on Jeopardy? No, because as much as I think that I would do really well, I know the reality of it was that I would just totally suck at it, and there'd be some like high school kid who would just trounce me. I, I think you'd be good, but I would be okay, but I wouldn't. I would freeze, kind of. I'd be like, oh. 
Yeah, but I think you totally should go. They have like yes. teacher week, right? It's every now and then where they just have teacher oh, week. Yeah. Here, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Teacher week. There right? you go. Right? You could be but I might not be able to do it because Trebek has stage four pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Oh. That's, uh, can we real quick? Yes. Do a... Cheers. He rules. I need to put beer in my glass, but here's Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. Yeah. All right, so for my Fred talk this week, I'm going to talk about the cross or the crucifix. Catholics tend to have the crucifix, which is the cross with the Corpus Christi, with the body of Christ. Yep. And Protestants mm. tend to just have a plain, empty cross. It's like I they're didn't un- even realize that until right now. Yep. That's crazy. Holy true. Super true. So I've actually had this conversation with Protestants in the past, and it's there's a, there's a discomfort with the body of Christ on the cross. And when I've tried to ask them about this, it's like, well, Christ is risen, so he's not on the cross. And I kind of that's uh, I kind of get that in a, in a sense, I understand. But to me, the bare cross without Christ is simply a, an ancient Roman torture device. Mm, it's right. just a symbol of a torture device that people used 2,000 years ago. And the Romans used the cross very publicly in order to tell their, not even citizens, just their subjects, basically, if you f*** with us, you are going to die horribly yeah. and yeah. publicly. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And oh. so that's why they were um, crucified like on a hill, right? So anyone oh. who was coming towards their town or their mm-hmm. city would see like, oh, we all these crucified people. Super Let's smart, not... these Romans. Whoa. Very that smart. Was probably effective. Brutal. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're coming into town, coming through the valley, and you look up and all you see is bodies hanging from these wooden grasses, right. you would think twice about stealing a date. Yep. Exactly, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. As Catholics, and you're, you're Catholics. Well, yes, right? yes, cradle Catholic. It's as am I. We believe that we, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians one twenty one, we preach Christ crucified. So that's like at the core of our theology, that's mm-hmm. the core of our belief, that Christ was crucified. He suffered, died um, on a cross. And it was completed by his resurrection. Shoot. Yeah. Okay. Raising my hand here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, and this is a comment, not a question, right, right. that there's a analog in mm-hmm. media right now. They're having a huge debate over whether or not they ought to show things that are really gruesome. Mm-hmm. Know where I'm coming mm-hmm. from, right? Yep. And yeah. when we don't, it's not, I think they should, in other words. I All think right. they need to show the full gruesomeness of ISIS, of, of um, rape even. And it's, right. and it's tough. It's tough for people. But then do we react better? I think we react, we do more. It's more visceral. Because, yeah. So I think there's something to be said for thinking about the actual physical yeah. pain involved. So this, this is kind of like the scared street mentality. Yes, yes. The whole reason, I mean, we, we, you often hear about scared street is almost like, like a caricature of what you do with, you know, with kids, for example, trying to get them to do the right thing. But the reality is... Scared Straight came from a program that used to exist where they would take those kids into prisons and right. show them reality yep. of what the potential outcome could be if they continued down the path that they were on, right? right, right. So really what you're saying, I, I totally agree with you, Joel, that in order to really understand what the potential is, you have to expose people to what that potential is. Yeah, right. Yeah. And if you just use it in words or you, or, or you downplay abstract. it or you say yeah, an abstract, then it just seems like somebody else's problem. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so for so Catholics, when you go in, into a Catholic church, mm-hmm. the first thing you see is that crucifixion. Yeah. You see the body of Christ mm-hmm. on a cross. Always. And, and I, never, by the way, as a Lutheran, never 
have I seen that in a Lutheran church? It's just a cross. Really? It's just a cross. Yeah, just oh, a cross. Wow. It's so trippy. I just thought of that. Yeah. Whoa. And I think there's consequences to not having Christ on the cross. Now, um, in American Christianity, there's a strain of Christianity that's very popular. There's the Word of Faith movement, where you just say something, and they believe it comes true. What? Wait, 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 wait. Or, and what, the other what, one is what, what, Prosperity what? Gospel. Wait, wait, no, no, no. And they kind of go together. So say that all again. Yeah, so, really. So that, the uh, Word of Faith movement. What is that? The, the, the pithy way to explain Word of Faith yeah, is do, do name, it, name it and claim it. Okay. It's like, I'm going to be rich. Boom, I claimed it. I named right. it and I claimed oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. That's Joel Osteen. Na- that's, the, that's also, that's what they call it, Word of Faith. But it's kind of a, it kind or of goes that, with Prosperity Gospel, which is Joel Osteen. But is it the Catholic version or is it no, the no, no. Protestant? That's okay. Protestant. Okay, good. Okay. And yeah. a lot of them don't even put crosses. But it's, it's this idea that God wants to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be I prosperous. Hate it. And only as God wants your wife to be hot. Yes, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. With the like yeah. Stepford wife look, yeah. right? But only an American living in the 21st century could believe that. Right? So true. Because it's part of the human condition. Mm. Suffering, poverty. This is all part of like the fall of mankind, if you will. It's the it's the human condition, suffering. And so there's no room for suffering mm. in these theologies. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Because it's all about yeah, I, just, right? I, I love that. Cheers to that. Sister. I love that. That's, nice, that's, but it's all about no if you if you're sick or you have an illness, God wants you to be healed of that. One hundred percent. All you gotta do is have faith enough to get rid of it. But if you look at these countries, or just over human history, that's never been the case. No. Suffering is real. Suffering's part of humanity. Exactly. And there's just no room for Christ and a cross I'm in these theologies. I'm going to again, dude. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I totally think suffering makes us wise. I think that those kids who come to us with everything as second-generation students, something like that, they don't come with just something basic that some of the p- people who just seen some serious stuff from yeah, Mexico, yeah. Yep. and it really is obvious to me. I don't know. Yeah. And suffering makes us wise. It does. And so for Catholics, we look at the cross and there isn't really a good answer for suffering. There isn't. So for these theologies, name it and claim it and word of faith and prosperity gospel, they don't even include it. If you just have faith, you can get rid of it. But for Catholics, we don't really have a good answer either for suffering. It's just look at the crucified I, Christ. I, oh, dude. And this is this is a really important thing that I want people to understand, especially if they're a Christian. God wants your heart more than he wants your healing. He wants you to trust in him, to love him, mm-hmm. more than he wants you to wait, be wait, wait, completely no, physically healed. Say that one more time. I, I'm, I'm slow. God wants your heart more than he wants your healing. So he wants you to love him, to follow him, have faith in him, more than your physical suffering. So many of these prosperity gospel people, word of faith people, it's all about this. Oh, God. It's like, if you just just say and pray that you'll be rich and wealthy, it's going to happen. In the physical reality. (laughs) But no, we're supposed to store our treasure in heaven, right? We're supposed to, we'll, we'll attain full health and wellness in heaven. Not right now. This is trans. This is like transitory. Yeah. Ah, I hope it's true. Well, and suffering is relative, right? True. Oh, yeah. So, what's a suffering oh, yeah. for me, from my personal circumstances, mm-hmm. may not necessarily be for somebody else. And true. If I'm living in a third world country where life is extremely difficult, but that's my norm. Suffering means something different to that person, right? Than does to me living in a first world country in a comfortable house with forced air, right? Right, and electricity and cable. 
and yeah. all the, and then when, when when my power goes out, I'm suffering. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So it's a different, which is not to undermine suffering because there's clearly lots of levels of suffering, but. It's just different, right? It's almost as if everybody in the first world countries are those people that Jesus talked about. You can't fit through this uh, gate. Right. The eye of the needle. The eye of the needle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's us. It's just like, that's us. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yesterday, Facebook and Instagram was down. Yeah. Yeah. People went insane. (laughs) I'm sure that was suffering for people. Yeah. That was suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I couldn't post the link. Empires crumbled. Yeah. I couldn't post pictures of my egg sandwich. To Instagram, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Oh my gosh! So, as as Catholics, I'm sure you might have heard this growing up, Jose, and I heard this all the time. When we're suffering, when we have pain, offer it up. Yes, offer it up. Mm. Because in Colossians 1:24, Paul writes, "Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the Church. Christ, in His passion, death, and resurrection, wasn't lacking anything, but He was lacking one thing." He was lacking in our participation in his suffering. That's why he asks us to take up our cross and follow him every day. So because we couldn't experience it with him, we have to essentially experience it through him. Yes, and you offer it up as a sacrifice. Yeah, because we we, we, we weren't there. Right. And of course, we're multiple generations beyond the moment in which that occurred. Right. But so through him, we have to experience that. And then we offer it back to him as a sacrifice. Wow. And so, therefore, we participate, that's the word they would use, participate Mm -hmm. in his sacrifice, his ultimate sacrifice. So it's that much more important that we have a crucifix because it represents the crucifixion of Jesus and not just a cross Mm. as a symbol of a really bad day for somebody. Right. Right. He had a bad Friday. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. A bad Friday. So, yeah. <laughs> for, for Catholics, it's... It goes from black to bad. Uh, yeah, right. right. <laughs> so we're contributing in a mysterious theological way mm-hmm. to his gift to humanity of salvation. Mm. It's our way of participating in that. So that's the end of my Fred talk. Sorry, that went... Dude, hell yeah! That went on Hell yeah! I'm sorry. No, I got goosebumps several times. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not Christian. I'm pretty... But I love that stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I know you do, and I appreciate that. I, I love your enthusiasm. That's what I, I miss, just mm, these conversations. I mm. listen to your, your your bits here, and then, because my mom is, is very much kind of a student of, uh, of, Christ, of, of Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And so I'll say, hey, did you know? And I'll spout yeah. something off that her from his head. She'll like, oh, yeah, that's the bubble to blow my like, ah, ah, That's funny. I love it. She's <laughs> right on top of it. Oh, Dang, yeah. I wish I could. <laughs> I thought I had her. <laughs> All right. So, what do you got? Yeah. Uh, I probably should have gone before you, just as an FYI. So maybe you might want to like re-edit this <laughs> re-edit. in a way that I go first. So I just, my Fred talk is really about this idea about vaccinations, right? So we grew up in an era of vaccinations. There right. are lots of childhood diseases that used to just either cripple or kill children back in the day, right? Yeah. In the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and even into the 60s and 70s, really. And, and as these vaccinations became available, people just flocked to them because they didn't want their kids to die or suffer. Right. Right. And so things like polio and mumps, rubella, these are these are just common vaccinations that we all have. And it's been a very much a part of of American culture for, for quite a long time, especially in the lifetime of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so now there's this whole movement 
towards not vaccinating kids. Right. Because there's a belief based on nothing <laughs> yeah. that nothing. vaccinations somehow cause some other disorders or illnesses mm. in children. Right. And I get that kids get sick. I'm not going to deny that children get sick, and that's a reality of it. But people of all ages get sick. Right. And so to mm. focus on vaccinations as being the culprit right. of these childhood illnesses without any scientific evidence to support that. Mm. Now, these families who really believe that their children are, be- are getting ill because of vaccinations, they have their own facts and their own figures, but they're really not scientifically valid, which and drives you, me nuts. You right. cannot dis... Uh, Disavow them? No. Dismiss. Dismiss, dismiss that from no. them. Yeah. No. And and they, they were right. will not. Right. And and by the way, we've touched on this thing so much. They are so happy to go to the hospital. Yes. Which is the Church of Science. Yes. Yeah. And and where Hallelujah. everything comes yeah. from science, but except for Amen. that one. Yeah. yeah. Except for that right. one fact. So we have folks in the East Coast, right? It's it's there's a, there's a essentially a growing community of non-vaccinators, and I'm sure there's a better term right. for them, but that's yeah. what I'm going to call it. But yet they're suing school districts to get their kids into schools, mm-hmm. right? So on the East Coast, places like New York and New Jersey and stuff, they have they have real outbreaks of things like like mumps and measles, diseases that we right. grew up with as a believing had been eradicated. Having right? had to deal with them, but at they all. weren't eradicated. Right. They were just dormant. They existed within society, but because we were all essentially vaccinated, right? Right. It didn't pop up. But as soon as you start to have these little camps of folks who are not vaccinated, these diseases will pop up because they are very opportunistic. Right. Right. And 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 but yet these these families, these parents insist yeah. on their students being in public schools with other children. Mm-hmm. Insist to the extent that they will actually access legal services in order to sue school districts. Wow. And I'm just like what Shocking. the heck? Right. Hey, you know what? If you don't want to vaccinate your kid, good on you. Home That's between them. you and your Jesus and that child. Right. But go live over there. Right, right. Right? And surround yourself with other non-vaccinated folks and do whatever you want to do. But don't bring that into my my camp. Don't right. bring it into my classroom. Don't bring it near my children. Because we have chosen... Mm-hmm. Right to go the path of vaccination because we believe in science, right. and science tells us that they work. Right, exactly. And so, they believe in science, maybe not overtly, but they have yeah. to. But you know overtly. they want. You know, Joel, they want that f-ing hot spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now there's there, there's a, a phenomenon. Yeah. Um, and they I'm won't forego sure that, will they? It's um, essentially basically the phenomenon is this, that if you have enough people who are vaccinated, like adults, right? You and me and you and our spouses and our parents, that kind of stuff. If we are essentially encapsulating non-vaccinated children, we become a barrier to those children from from getting diseases, right? So so if we're around them and diseases try to come into our circle of influence because we're vaccinated, we repel that. And so that it never enters into our circle of influence, so then that child never becomes sick. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great when they're a little baby and we can control their space. Yeah. But as soon as you take them out of that baby-controlled space, Mm. you put them into schools where we Mm. can't control who they're sitting next to Mm. or who they're having lunch with or who they're playing tetherball with or, you know, whose bike they're going to share. And all of a sudden now, those children become exposed to everybody else in the world. Right. Right. And then they're more likely to to, um, become infected with some of these childhood diseases that have been eradicated for so long. So that's my whole thing is... But, Jose... I don't even know the answer to this, yeah. and I'm super curious about this idea. Is it self-punishing? In other words, do the ones who have vac- who have been vaccinated get uh, measles? They can't, right? 
The ones who've been vaccinated? No. Yeah. No. So it's almost pure justice because the only ones that get it are the ones who have not been. Do I have this right? Yeah. Yeah, because they've been vaccinated against it. But isn't there, I just read, and I can't remember, how do the, the people who have been vaccinated suffer? They it do is suffer. possible for them to get Yeah, maybe to a certain extent. So there's, there's a really, really small percentage Yeah, that's of folks, what it is. That's what it is. But the vast majority of folks who are vaccinated right. have an immunity to some of these childhood right. diseases, right. Right? right? Which is essentially why the CDC can say, well, these diseases have been eradicated from right. first world countries. So we only see them in these like third world places right. where they don't get vaccination. So anyway, that's my thing is vaccinations. Ooh. Vaccinations are the bomb. They've worked for generations. They've, 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 they've eradicated diseases that used to like kill or cripple children for multiple years, generations before us. And if you are having children, you are vaccinating those kids because that's what you do. Exactly. Absolutely. It's so fascinating. In this main episode of the show, we are going to get into things that we agree with, actually, that the vast majority of people would not agree with. And who's going to go first, by the way? Oh, unpopular opinions. Unpopular that opinions. That we hold. Exactly. That yeah. we hold. Thank you. All right. I'm going to actually open my notes. I'm embarrassed to say. I had so many. I kind of come off as a liberal, but I have so many pretty conservative views and uh, Jose, what is our Jose um, echo chambers? Yeah, echo chambers is a big deal. But I don't think we've been following that enough. We we push liberal values way more than conservative. So we got to kind of get into the conservative part this time. I think that it is actually okay. This is going to shock some people because people say the three things you never talk about in polite company are what everybody religion, politics. Race. And race. race. Right. And those are the three things that I'd rather talk about <laughs> than any other thing. <laughs> but our By show, far. Our show is all about religion and politics. <laughs> right. And race. And race. Amen. Totally. Amen. And that's what this show is about. Let's right. get into the weeds. That's just. So, in Hawaii, uh-huh. people often ask people what their race is. And that would be so rude to do. And you're a Hawaiian at heart. Really, yeah. Yeah. And, what are you? Yeah. What you? Common question. Come on. What you? What you? What you? What you? And I love it, and I think it's really healthy, and most people say it's super wrong, super unhealthy. I think it does matter. Here's the other thing, what race you are, and that is so wrong to say. But, okay, I guess here's how I would say it. I would say you could say anything you want about race, but the only thing it could be is positive. Which is weird. That is super, super weird. I think you right. should say whatever you want, but you really, everything negative you can say about race is actually untrue. This is like a weird scientific yes. belief, yes. and it's, I don't know how it's true, but I think it's true. And so, <laughs> for instance, <laughs> for instance, Mexicans. Yes, you two right. are Mexicans. What? No, and what? Proudly, you? I'm Mexican. Proudly, Jose and Jose? Yeah. yeah. And so, you, what? If we're going <laughs> to not agree with me, you right. can never say Mexicans are so awesome with family. And I totally yeah. agree with that. Mm-hmm. And but, I think it's yeah, we saw COVID. but. There's always a but. But I think, and you can't make generalizations about race. That's another thing that right. is just totally forbidden by PC culture. And I. Wait, can we stop there for, yes, for a second? Please. 
let's just make a pact right now yeah. that whatever we talk about that are these unpopular opinions, that we acknowledge right. that we are making generalizations. And we understand right. totally that agree. generalizations do not apply to right. every member of every community. Right. And we're they not going to be offended. Right. But and in I order to have the conversation, yes. we need to acknowledge that. Right. We're going to make some generalizations, right. and we understand that that's what we're doing. And I guess what I should have said is that generalizations are kind of useful sometimes. Right. Sometimes they're really bad, but they can be useful sometimes. There's a kernel of truth in a stereotype. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Right. And it's so anti-PC. Nowadays. It is. And I truly think black culture is so cool. And here's a generalization. In their exuberance, they have the most amazing comedians. And and we could go about this like, well, Joel, what would you say about your own race? Well, mainly German. uh, I think Germans are cool about being (laughs) really. (laughs) I think it's cool that they love to be on time. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? That's actually useful. You go between Italy and Germany, which I've done. I've done that. No, and the trains Italy, are not on time in Italy. No. They are not on time in Italy. Really? And they are on time in Germany. I think that's that's right. awesome. And wow. we can go on and on. It's well, I like your, character, your, your, your description of, of African Americans as exuberance as being a characteristic. Yeah. And, you, and, and, and you mean, mentioned comedians, one, but, but I see it. You can apply that to not only comedians, but you can apply it to teachers, yes, politicians, yes, yes, and yes. government officials. And they then just, that idea that they, mm, they put it all and, out yes, there. Yes, they put it out there. Right? It's beautiful. And, emote, and so emote, emote, yes. it's not just the entertainers, right? No. Not just no. the athletes. And that's where you get in trouble by Because you focus on the entertainment right, part right. of it, which is just really for the masses. And right, right. that's the white America. But the fact is that when you look at the politicians and the doctors and the lawyers, there is that sense of exuberance yeah. that kind of comes out of them okay. and those different aspects. Right. To give a specific example, when Obama was on the uh, campaign trail, he didn't do this as a president, by oh, the way. He held back. He just held back as a president, yeah. but he was so enlivening yeah. as a yeah. president. I was just like goosebumps all the time as a president. I wish he did that more as a president. As a, I mean, not as much, right? Not oh, that much. was disheartening was, a little it bit. It was so disheartening because as he was so enlivening. Yeah. As a campaigner, he had it. And I would, I would get up off of my seat, you know? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you give those campaign speeches like, yeah! And, oh. Like you were in like you were in church with him. Yeah. And, and, he, and yeah. then he maybe felt like he had to, I don't know, I hope he didn't feel like he had to live up to some kind of decorum. I feel like you know? he did. I, I think he might have as a president. Yeah. Dial it back because baloney. his audience is now broader and more right, diverse right, and right. deeper and right. you, want, you don't want so to alienate. It was practical. It was practical. Well, like right, a current yeah. president, President yeah. Obama, wasn't interested in alienating people. Right. He wanted right. to try, whether or not he was successful, to include everyone. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And so part of that, though, was essentially the calming down. Right. 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 Of the exuberance. Of the right. exuberance from right. his candidacy world. Right. Yeah, exactly. So that's mine. I mean, uh, I have got a totally different take on race, and I think it comes from anthropology, which I love studying mm-hmm. in college. And... And thinking about race in positives. Race right. makes life so spicy and fun. So, and that's it. That's all it is. From know, like an awesome. anthropological yeah. or sociological perspective, yes. all of these um, races 
are coming or ethnicities are coming with a cultural background. Yes. And we yes. expect them to come to the United States and to assimilate into this bland white no. bread. Yeah. No, no. All, and that's why no, we kind add. of given up on this on the um, melting pot right. idea and it's more of like the mm. the salad bowl. Mm-hmm. All yeah. these different flavors. Which makes America the best country in the world which is being forgotten. Exactly. By yes. certain segments. Yes. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. And so, yeah, we can look at every different culture and say, this is what they bring to the table that is positive and awesome, mm. Mm. right? Yep. Instead of saying, like, you should all just be, you know, Americana bland. Mm. Thank God. Yes. It hasn't been that way. And, and the thing about it is, though, they do blend in. And everybody eventually, after a couple generations, it's almost sad. Yeah. I mean, it's almost sad right. that they don't retain enough of their culture, their original culture. But do you feel like millennials maybe are defying that? I feel like millennials I kind of so. want to yes. go back to their roots. Yes, I totally do. But they want and to. They treasure it more. Like Ancestry.com is blowing up. Mm-hmm. My mom mm-hmm. loves it. I, she I, wants I to know almost, more about her roots. I almost think we hope. Millennials will do this for us. True. <laughs> right. They, they, but they're I mean, pushing it. They're pushing than, it. Yeah. Right. But millennials are more complex right. when it comes to describing them mm-hmm. than previous generations. Not that they are more complex as a group, mm-hmm. but just in how we describe them, right? Because every group is complex, right? Right. But the millennials are like, oh, they're this and they're that, and, and they're and they're apathetic, and they, they, they want to just live in the basement of their mom's house, and they want to get a job, but they, they want to start new things. And, and they can only accept the rewards. But, yeah, right. But, 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 but the, they're the innovators, and they're, they're the, their creativity levels are off the charts, so yeah. it, it can be all those things. Yeah. When you talk about the Gen Xers and the baby boomers, there's not this diverse description. Yeah. It's, right. it's a little more like homogeneous, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And yeah. so... Maybe that's the beauty of the Gen Xer mm-hmm. is that nobody is pinning them down to just being like this one thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they can be all these things. They can be the hipsters yeah. mm-hmm. and they can be the next, you know, big titans of industry. Or Mark they can Zuckerberg. Be, or they can yeah. live at home with their parents yeah. until they're 35. And there are the, yeah. all these different versions of that. Yeah. Millennials get bad rap. And we have bashed on millennials in this show. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah you have. <laughs> Man. Yes, yes, you have. It's probably coming from this idea that I think the central beef with them is that they expect always to succeed and they've right. always been told that they're awesome. And, you know, that is such a sim- simpli- simplification. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is it the if everybody is special, then no one is? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's baloney. I, that's I get that from um, Incredibles. One. Oh yeah, yeah. When 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 Dash and the mom are driving home from school after he has that issue at school where the principal calls him to the office and he's in the car mm-hmm. and he says to his mom, "Well, if everybody is special, then no one is." Yeah. And he's true. like, "Well, then why why be special?" Right, right. right. That's true. Yeah. So, what? Who's going next? Okay, go I'll go next. Go next. Yeah. All right. So, my <laughs> unpopular opinion. We all know who Dr. Seuss is. And we all grew up with Dr. Seuss. We know his books. We read them as children. I love Dr. Seuss. Read them to our children. Mm. But Dr. Seuss, as a person, and even really kind of bleeding some of his work, is inherently racist at its core. So you have to think about this, right? So... That is so hard to take. (laughs) Right? So hard to take. So he was born in 1904. So you have to think about that. Right. In his early days leading up to World War II, Mm -hmm. he was a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of how he made his money, right? And you can go back, and this is in the archives, and actually San Diego uh, SDSU or SDSU UCSD. UCSD. They yeah. have actually like a Dr. Seuss library. It's right? a spaceship. It's crazy. And yeah. and it has uh, cells of his previous work, uh-huh. and he generated work. At that time, that was very racist in how it was written and how it was created, his, his pictures that he was drawing. Because remember, he didn't become Dr. Seuss that we know him, the, the, the children's um, author, until yeah. later in his life. You mean like the first draft was kind of racist and then edited it out? Or no, he, he was he was he generating evolves. these ra- oh. these racist comic strips that were published in newspapers and magazines across the country during the war era as a way to promote like savings bonds and things like that. So I have a couple of examples for you too. So if you look at like this right here, here is one from war savings bonds. That's, that's, that's an image of an Asian person. Yeah. So Joel, are you good really, with that? Really bad. Okay. Really bad. Bad. Are you good with that? Typical. Really like, bad. Right. And for yes. those of you listening to this, it says, Wipe that smear off his face, and it has an illustration of an Asian person with a pig nose, giant buck teeth, the eyes so squinty that they're closed. And then, of course, it says buy war savings bonds, and it's, it's created by Dr. Seuss. Yeah, right. Bad. Right. So there's also this whole, like, African thing that he had. So this belief that Africans and people from African descent were less than human. And, in fact, that they were infested with bugs and things like that. So this comic that oh, I'm about no, to show you no, says... No, to me. I love it, show, it shows the, these these black, almost like black face characters, you know, with the big white lips, but all black skin, yeah. no clothes, the little Jesus. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's awful. And it's, it says that the one asked the other wife on vacation, King, and the King says, vacation, nothing. Nice girl, but I simply had to swap her for this flit gun. Flit, flit was gun. the name of a brand uh-huh. of insect repellent, insect killer. Ouch. Right? And so it shows Ouch. the insects being yeah. flinted around the king. This is right. so why... So the idea that these Africans were this, this or African Americans... This is why getting into the weeds is everything. Yeah, yeah. Right? So think about who Dr. Seuss's audience was right. when he became an author of children's book. It wasn't you and me, Jose. No. It wasn't the no. ethnic America. No. It was the white middle class America. Typical fiction. And he had already established himself as a cartoonist that created these very... I don't think there's any subgroup of, of Americans right now who would not consider these offensive. Okay, but was his work outside of the norm at the time, like no, contemporarily? Well, that's a good question, right? So, I bet those, he was forward. For those actually, folks who were being published at the time, uh, we were only, America was only interested in those cartoonists who were publishing this type of work, right? Yeah. Who were anti-Japanese, right. anti-African, right. anti-really basically all other ethnic groups except Americans, even though those groups existed here. Yeah. But you have to realize that yeah. because of his anti-Asian cartoons at the time, yeah, yeah. into the 40s when we had World War II, that was essentially justification for some of the internments that occurred. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't that the government used those cartoons to inter uh, Japanese Americans, but it gave regular everyday Americans the opportunity to say, yeah, that's the right thing to do. It's, and so it turned Americans against Absolutely. Americans. Right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And he does go on to create these children's books, but you have to realize, too, almost... Every ninety six percent of the, the the characters in his books who are humanish mm-hmm. are white. Right, right. Those who are not are in subservient roles. Mm. They're either carrying the whites, 
or they're serving the whites. Right. Okay. And that was his standard of operation. And he worked this way throughout his career. And it really wasn't until his second wife, I think her name was Giselle, once he passed away, I think in 91, she took on the, the Dr. Seuss empire because Dr. Seuss's first wife had died. Right. Okay. Hmm. And so she was the, the recipient of all of his assets when he died. And she actually went on to be much more um, altruistic hmm. and providing oh, wow. like funds from, from the, the Dr. Seuss Empire to serve all these other services that, that acknowledge not only ethnic groups, but also underprivileged groups, underprivileged groups, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And she was also instrumental in some of his later work and making his work a little more acceptable and, and, and more open to all the different opinions that are out there. And that was oh, a wow. Definitely different ethnic groups. Yeah. So she was very instrumental in that. But up until that point, mm-hmm. it right? wasn't him. It was his wife. It was it was the way you know, it wasn't Legacy. him. It was his wife. Now there are right. some folks out there who had interviewed him and 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 spoken to him who believe that. In the latter part of his life, he somewhat regretted some of the things that he did in his younger years, right? right? And that he wished that he may, might be able to go back and change that. But that's essentially kind of anecdotal. There's no, like, on the record, Dr. Seuss saying that right. that was wrong and I shouldn't have done it. So at best, there's an anecdotal evidence that he regretted some of his some. earlier work, right? Right. But... We have this legacy of work, right, right. and it has to be looked through the lens of who this man was. That's my next question. To what extent do we forgive these people who grew up in a certain context, yeah, right. Right. right? It's yeah. the, it's such a huge question for our times. Yeah. So they were racist before they knew racism was wrong. Right, right, right. <laughs> they didn't even realize. And, well, and the next question, of course, is what are we doing right now? Yeah. Right. What did I just do in that last thing? Right? About right, so about you don't stereotyping. So you don't necessarily forgive. You have to put into context. Yes, you can make an educational issue. It's how you kind of morph this into. I don't know if you remember what we do with statues of Confederate. Um, right, um, exactly. You know, you can make a museum. You can make an educational issue of it versus venerating. Right. right. Versus venerating. That's that. Right. That's a good. I think. So solution. you really, you really have to look at this stuff in the in the historical context in right. which it exists. Right. doesn't excuse any of it. Right. And so for, as an educator, if you're going to continue to use Dr. Seuss books as a teaching tool. Which we do every year right? on his birthday or something like that? Well, i got to tell you, yeah. so the, back in 2017, the NEA, National Education Association, distanced themselves oh, from really? Dr. Seuss, really? Seuss for Read Across America. Right, Read Across America. In previous years, he had been their tentpole for Read Across America. Yeah. But they realized that that was really a disservice to the diverse student population that NEA represents right. and those teachers who are under NEA which is us right because right. we're right. CTA NEA right. and we have to acknowledge that that exists within the era in which it was created and you can use yeah. it as a teaching tool you could but you can't use it as a straightforward example of whatever it is you're trying to put forward right okay right. and the other thing is I taught my kids morals <laughs> which is so ironic right, right? through him you're the uh, turtle was a turtle that um, was having to lift a bunch of other turtles. There's another story, of course, where two people will not budge. They they have to only go in a straight line. Mm-hmm. And there's they're all moral stories. Right. And I it's, it's so ironic that we're teaching our kids. Right. And this is why we have to be gray. We so, cannot be black and white. So think about Cat and Hat. Cat and Hat is essentially yeah, yeah, famous exactly, book, right? exactly. It was yeah, actually. Yeah. 
one of the top selling children's books of all time. It might be. The Cat in the Hat is based off of the minstrel performers. Mm-hmm. Of the 30s and 40s. Are you serious? The minstrel performers were black I didn't realize performers, that, but of course, right? right? Because it makes perfect sense. And the minstrel comes into the home, right? Yep. Right? Yep. Unannounced. As, With their knapsack. Right? And, as yep. an assistant, kind of, and to kind of like churn up the family. Right, right. So there are actually images prior to the first wow. Cat in the Hat book <laughs> of these black faced minstrels yeah. in a similar uh. costume. So what, 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 Dr. Seuss or, or Theodore Geist did was he changed the face to white sure. because the rest of him was black. Right. But it's essentially the same thing. You come in, you create this kind of controlled chaos, right? You teach a few lessons. Controlled? Right? Because nothing. the cat in the hat really is about controlled chaos. Sure. As a reader, it's all very chaotic. Yeah. To those two kids, it's very chaotic. But in the end, right, right, there is a little bit of a control. Right, but that that but it's that it's that minstrel aspect, that minstrel aspect, yeah, that comes from the old vaudevillian right. minstrel. Oh, it, I mean, when you talk about it, it's like of course, right, because it makes perfect sense. Well, but but, that, but it's hard to wrap around and head around because we don't have those elements they, anymore. They still right. exist though. So there's always in movies. Um, for example, I was thinking of the Legend of Bagger Vance, mm. starring Will Smith. Mm. Will Smith. Of the wise black man who comes into a white guy's life, drops some like oh, wisdom. We are going down a rabbit hole. Oh, Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. Right. All right. Well, how, how have you guys yes. seen Green Book? Yeah. I mean, well, that has been totally. Of course, it won the Oscar, but it's also, and it made me realize, you know what? Yeah, it's true. We put these movies out to make white people feel good yes. about doing good for black people. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, so I gotta tell you though, I didn't realize. That um, Viggo Morrison's character, the white, the you know uh, Italian American character, I didn't realize he was the primary character. I thought I was a black guy. I did too. The other guy he was had, the star of the movie. Yeah, I mean, was, it wasn't until was the more lines. because he came how out. Do you, the, how they, they he was nominated for best supporting actor, right? Right, right. right. Who's no. he supporting? No, well, because the story was the, the the screenplay was written by the son. Of that character's real son, yeah, yeah. So the son was really involved. Whose son? The son, the driver. The, the driver. Okay. So the couple more than character, his family, his son wrote the screenplay. He right. wrote a book. They wrote a screenplay, right? right? So of course, in that context, he's the main character. But when you watch the movie. He doesn't appear to me to be the main character. No. To me, the main character I is totally the African American character who comes in later, like like beginning of the second act. He comes in. Right. It's because he's the cat in the hat, right? Who comes into this white guy's <laughs> life exactly. to drop some yeah, knowledge right? and wisdom, exactly. Right? Exactly. That's interesting. But, so, but man, I didn't even consider uh, driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, I, I. I'm too buzzing to think about probably four or five other films yeah, totally where the dating. white guy comes in and just saves the black guy. Um, are we ready to go right into from here to our um, Jose's like, great Jose. art? Oh, no, you haven't even gone yet. I gotta do my Holy smokes. I gotta do my right, Well, I gotta segue into the next thing, but go first. Okay, so I'll go quickly because I'm, I'm looking at the clock. And yeah, we're time. My topic is on the issue of abortion. Um, half of America, const- they always do polling on this, mm-hmm. and it's always like split down the middle. It's mm-hmm. always like 50 50 in that range. Mm-hmm. Red, blue. Red, blue. Yep. I'm pro life. Now, yeah. I would. If you have not listened to the show, then you did not know that. Then you didn't know that. But. Everybody else knew that. 
I would say that I, I would. You better come up with something here, buddy. I would do a caveat to where. <laughs> well, no pressure, Joel. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> come on now. I would do a caveat to where I would say. I, I would define myself as pro-life being from womb to tomb. And I think a lot mm, of people who are pro-life that's controversial, are right. actually not. They're pro-birth. Right. So I would say that. Right. It's like, oh, we're all about not having abortions for women up until the kid's born, mm-hmm. and then they're on their own. But I'm more like, no, 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 no. We need to protect yeah, life from conception to the end of life. All right. But I specifically, to get into this issue specifically, there was a recent Marist poll that found that 34% of Democrats also identified themselves I agree. as pro-life. And I would include myself in that figure. All right. So really? I think the Democratic Party is going far left. Yeah, they do go to way too far To left. the other extreme where they totally discount this third who is pro-life. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you a question. Shoot. Would you kill... Or are you for the death penalty? You're not. I'm I know. Not. I'm not. I already know that. Would no, you, you and Gavin Newsom. Would you give yeah. the same sentence to somebody who aborts as somebody who murders? And that's the question. Why not? Why not? I would not. Because not? I, even though I would think that it's in the category of killing and taking a life, I think there's so many caveats to that that would, I think, mitigate the woman's guilt. Okay, I only want to hear about the caveat that doesn't mitigate the, the guilt. Oh, Joel's being very specific. Can you think of any? I would not. Because I think, and I think the Catholic Church would agree with me on this. You always want to err on this. Awesome. I love it, man. I'm telling you, I love it. It's always, so beautiful. Yeah, I'm always. sorry. It's so beautiful. We're good no, Jose, keep good. going, Jose. Keep keep going. Going. I'm sorry, Jose. No, you, I'm sorry. You always want to err on the side of it's, mercy. Mercy. That's it? No. I right mean, there. I totally speak from the bottom of my heart. I. That's the best response you could give. And, it, it, and But you would give that, and I know you, to a human being, not an unborn, which we disagree on that. But, so, but, I mean, I'm, I'm an unborn child wouldn't be able to tell you that they have right well we disagree or whatever but when but a woman would say perhaps Mm -hmm. this is something i did and maybe they would feel guilty or not guilty regardless you would say what you did is objectively wrong but subjectively we would take into consideration your situation it's almost like it's debatable you know what i mean so go ahead yeah i'm gonna jump in here because my question to both of you right. is if what you're saying, Jose, is 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 accurate, mm-hmm. right? Then essentially what you're saying is that all conceptions need to be allowed to progress through through the full term. I would say yes, e- even if that may mean miscarriage or other things, but whatever God wants, right? So. How many children are the two of you willing to adopt from that process? Because <laughs> because, because my number is three. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for saying that. Because wow. my number. I would say zero. Right. So I'm be, just saying. Wow. Not that I'm trying to throw myself in there as being the but if you're gonna have elevator that, of the elevator. But you so have that. to have Jose's uh, belief if you. Have Jose's belief. You have yes. to say uh, you have to be kids. willing to take I don't those, mean, I don't those think children who are three. not wanted. No, no, no. But those children who are 
conceived right, right. and then birthed and who are not wanted. Right. If you're saying that even if they're not wanted, they need to be birthed because right. that is the that is the progression of and then what, what God's wishes. By are. the way, those children need to be raised into families right, that exactly. care for them, and by the love way, for them, tons and of, want them to be the best there's possible. T- exactly. There's tons of evidence that those families already exist. Yes. It's not. That's crazy. But there's right. that many people yeah, that want right. family. What but, if that jives exactly? Right. And, right, you know what I'm saying. So you what? all, you both know that my number is three. Yes. Yeah. What's your number? So my number. Well, would yours be, is three too. My number would be like maybe at least one, because right now That's we're a- we're late in our we're in our late thirties basically. But theoretically, we were like, if we don't have kids, we would adopt, mm-hmm. right? And we already have one, and we're gonna try again. But theoretically, we would take more. But you're exactly right. We should make the system for adopting children easier and cheaper. Because I'm sure for you to adopt your three children, it was pricey and complicated. No. Yes. Okay. So explain. It wasn't pricey. Wait, what was the first question? Pricey, pricey and no? complicated. It wasn't but pricey, yes, but it was complicated. Okay. It was complicated because... And you should give background or no? Okay. So a little bit of background, right? My wife and I, uh, we don't have any biological children of our own. We uh-huh. were unable to conceive as a couple. And so we went on to adopt... Uh, a sibling group. So our three girls, uh-huh. who are now in their early 20s, are, uh, have the same biological mother and father. And we came across these girls because my wife, who's a teacher, uh, our middle daughter was actually in my wife's class. And so we found out that they were foster kids. They were looking for a foster family who would be interested in adopting if it ever came to that point. And so we stepped up and said, yeah, we'll be those folks, right? Mm. And so now we have our, our three girls, which is just, like, amazing right. for my wife and I, right? But, 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 and, but, 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 <laughs> hold on. You, you can't skip over the... the Beauty and the grace that you took on. You don't want to say that. Oh, my. You don't want to say that. But that, that is awesome. That was so good. That is, no, that it cannot be overlooked. And, and we, that leave, we leave that to others right, right. To, to phrase, right? For my wife and I, I it was it's it, amazing. It, it was a, a, a an opportunity for us to do what we'd always want to do, which is to expand our family. Right. And there was a there was a family of children who needed somebody, and so it was essentially a, a match made in heaven. And we were able to provide this opportunity to them, and they were able to provide to us the opportunity to expand our family. Oh. Right. And so that's right. kind of how we look at it. And, and and we get other versions from other folks like you, Joel, which I totally appreciate. But but we we can't do that to ours. We can't say that we're any better than anybody else because yeah. that that would just be well. well that's, that's just true. not who we are. Maybe it's, it's the Catholicism in the yeah. right, Jose. You, you want to humble we're humble, Exactly. But I hear this argument about abortions right. and about whether or not it's 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 appropriate or it's with, with what God wants. And, and if we're talking about it's not what God wants and we allow the, the, these unwanted pregnancies to go to term, then we have to have folks out there who are willing to take these children on. Right. And I can tell you wow. right now that the foster care system is, is an example of the fact that people who say they give a shit about abortions don't have to give a shit 
about the kids who are not aborted, who are born to families who don't want them. Because right. if, the, if, they, if there were people out there who really did care, there would not be a foster care system, period. They would take the kids. There would be people out there right. who would want them in their homes and be willing to adopt those children if they became adoptable right. because it's the right thing to do. And that is just not what's happening. But um, So when I started this conversation, specifically I was thinking about the New York law signed by um, Governor Cuomo. Oh, really? Because there's this belief on the right by, you know, Christian conservatives that mm -hmm. if they were to overturn Roe v. Wade, magically abortion would be gone. That's not true. No. That's a fantasy. You know what? God bless you, seriously, for understanding the nuance of that. Well, because that's that's the whole thing. That is in a kernel where it's where it's all at. Because even if you were to overturn Roe v. Wade, it doesn't mean people are still not going to seek abortion. Right. They will that's still the, seek it. That's the kernel. Because they did seek it before. Right. Exactly. And will always. They will. And the other part of that too mm. is it's such a crazy, crazy issue. If you were to overturn Roe v. Wade, it would go to the states, and so you would go from Roe v. Wade being one. Supreme Court case to now 50 states, mm. each one having their own law. Yeah. And that's the case with New York. That's insane. And yeah. my only issue with the New York... That just means going across the border. Is exactly. All that's exactly... That's all. And that, that would happen. Exactly, Joel. You would have to go to another state to procure those right. services, basically. Right. <laughs> right? And just get nutty at that point. You would have... Mm -hmm. So being pro-life against abortion, I don't care about Roe v. Wade. We need to engage the culture. We need to engage oh, society and say, my, "I just knocked my glass off." I was going to toast you, but yeah. We need to make an. We need to make that argument in the public. I love square. that. I love that. Yeah. Roe v. Wade because overturn it. It's not the answer because mm. no, people not. on the choice side also believe in that. You know, right? And that's where we meet. Right. Yes. Okay. So can I bring this back around a little bit, please? Yes. Forgive me, Jose. Yeah. Yeah. What was your unpopular opinion? It's my unpopular opinion. I it's actually a 50-50 deal. I didn't even get to it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I just we got, we got sidetracked. Yeah, I know, Joel, your unpopular opinion is that Pretty unpopular. identifying people by their ethnicity or race. 60% or 70% would say but that, see, that is wrong. It, it's not appropriate to ask people what their race is. So right, right? 50, 50. My unpopular opinion yeah. was that Dr. Seuss is like the godsend to children's literature. In fact, right, he right. was a racist at heart. 90% of people would totally. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I think so. So, so yeah. I'm pretty sure all that hate. It's right. going to come towards you two because you guys yeah. run, the, run the website. Yeah. So what, what's your popular so mine was, <laughs> Mine's 50-50 because America, the American public is split. Yeah. it's, the, it's 50 -50. The, This is the issue, right? It's yeah. very controversial. And I think it's going to factor into the 2020. Like, there's so many Ooh. people who voted for Trump on this one issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister. And he's done what for them? Nothing. Well, he put in Kavanaugh. But what has you actually done? What's, what movement? Has the needle moved at all? Nothing. No. At all. What just happened with uh, Planned Parenthood? Well, he said he would defund them for something. Right. So I but that, that's that. a threat that, that occurs every couple of years. Right, right, Parenthood, right. right. There's matter. always somebody who wants to unfund Planned Parenthood. Right, exactly. That happens with Obama or... Sure, every time we turn around, somebody wants to unfund Planned Parenthood. Right, right. Regardless right. of the fact that they do so much amazing work, put, put right. you know, abortion services aside, but, you know, reproductive counseling and assistance and all these right. other things they provide. It's amazing. Catholics, 
Right. Um, where are the Catholics as far as just preventing births? I'm going to go with Jose because I don't know what the Catholics right. are. I know where this Catholic is. I right, know right, where right. you are I don't know where Catholics are. I, so. I think I know where you are. <laughs> right. You might be a so, little bit more conservative I'm than, more, than the actually, I'm, probably more, yeah. I'm probably more liberal I, than Really? Than Jose S? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Not more than me. I'm probably more yeah. conservative yeah. than him. Yeah. yeah, But I'm more liberal that's than the I, church. That's what I pegged you at. So yeah. the church would say no contraceptives. Whatsoever. I know that. But, but where are you? Where I'm at is I think that's not a tenable position to hold. For the no, general. I want to know where you are morally. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, good. I would say this is not a tenable position to hold for the general public. And if as you're a, a person, you don't also. If you're a married, morally. if you're a married Catholic, I would say that's the moral position you should hold. Oh, right on. But if you Thank are, you. I mean, and and you know, I mean, ninety percent or more. I would I would wager right. that way over ninety percent yeah. of Catholics. Yeah, I, I would take yeah. Jose's one step further and say that even though I'm may be a little more progressive of a Catholic than Jose, that I, and this is what, what I what I essentially preach to my own children, my own girls, is that you save sex for marriage. And, and that, that, that's that, where we that can is, all agree. That is part uh, of that. Completely. Now, whether we or not, have got to sometimes get you into the whole, yeah, you sure. poke up culture do? is craziness. It is. Do you, you reach to your boys as well? Hell yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. So that's what the, that, okay. So back up. That's Whether or not I'm successful way. is a different story. That's uh, like, that's what I preach. I, I should back up because I don't want to go too much in, in public. But with my boys, if they're committed, I'm actually okay. So that's maybe a little right. bit more liberal than yeah. you are. But they have to be committed. But but what does that mean, though? Where's that right. line? Right. And, that, right. Right. and that's So that's I know what it means to be real. committed to my wife. You know what it means to be committed to your wife. But right. what does it mean when you're in and, that And that's a real black that and white relationship line. stage, right? Right. right. So, so marriage versus non-marriage right. is a real black but and white line. Yeah. That's why the Catholic Church has that opinion. Right. Because, because it's black and white. Because No, because they're assuming that sex is occurring in the context of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and not all sex. Thing. That's a great thing. But not all sex is occurring within marriage. Oh, oh, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So when they say no contraceptives, in the Catholic Church's mind, they're thinking between married people. Because in their mind, sex oh. is for marriage. So right. if you're married, why would you use a contraceptive? Because the part of being married is for the procreation. Church is for procreation, too. Right. 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 Okay. Been, but what I'm saying that's is. Legit. Yeah, that's I, that's a legit I, teaching, yeah. but for the average secular person who is not Catholic or not religious, yeah, for, that makes less for sense. The, for the sake of public health, mm-hmm. we need to push no, contraceptives. That's good. That's solid. Wow. But it begs the question: Is contraception going to be so perfect that there's not going to be? Because if people are going to have so much sex. Then the percentages are going to go up. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean. I mean, it's going to be unless the technology gets so good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we don't want it to be to a point where the society promotes sex as as something that has no consequences, right? Because then we're moving right. into things like all right, I want to well, like, then we're moving because. into things like sexual assaults right. and the rapes. But and you don't want that. You don't. You don't want a Mel Gibson, right. Mad Max, post-apocalyptic world. Right. There's, you don't want that. But there's that, and but there's also this thing that the hookup culture obviates completely this connection that happens the with grinders, sex. the tinders, right. and this the swiping right sex, and left. And, right. 
uh, establishes the perfect word, yeah. this connection between you and this sexual partner. And there's no getting around that. No. And there never will be. So that's... And it's so interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will never be a way around this. And right. you did not want to be connected to this gal. And you will be out yeah, of sex. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. So in the it's hookup culture, so... it, it connects you to a person that you had no intention yes. of creating an, a connection right? with. Yes. It was more about like... Just like that movie, The Knock Up. Yes. Yes. It's yes. all about... So well, this... This is so key. It's all about this. I think American culture today is very utilitarianism. Yeah. Like I'm using you for my benefit. For I'm my get-off. I'm yeah. using you for my pleasure, my get-off. Exactly. Yeah. But the Catholic Church's perspective is sex is not for your benefit. Sex is about pleasing and loving the other person. Are we going to come person. to this crazy loggerheads where there's that? The get-off versus this, you can't get around this connection you're going to establish. I think that what's going to happen is it's crazy. the culture is going to realize that the church is correct. Because even if you look at the Me Too movement, it's like, oh, this person was using me. Everybody who disagrees with you is going to listen to this and say, I have had hookups. Exactly. And it is not come to any kind of connection. Right. But at the same time, you were either using another person or another person was using you. That's the core of hookup culture. Right. And that's not what sex is about. Sex should be unitive. You and another person are in, are engaged in an act of physical self-giving. You are giving yourself to another person and the other person is giving themselves to you. And hookup oh. culture is all about... But, but, but when you... Combine that with a baby, it gets so frick. I mean, that's I'm trying right. to cuss gets so heavy. But that's, that's where I get so religious. But that's why and I'm not religious. Joel, that's why I cuss because I've heard you cuss before. Exactly. And so, I know, but I do. Uh, man, that's where it's so heavy. It's so like mystical, and I'm not mystical at all. It's but that's crazy. why sex is intended for the context of marriage. Not for college kids wanting to get their jollies off. Which is true, but you got to think about it in the context of the evolution of humanity. They're going to do it anyway. No, 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 not that they're going to do it anyway, but there was, they are. But there was no college kids. This is a relatively oh, yeah. modern oh, yeah. right. concept. Oh, yeah, it totally We is. understand it, right. and right. we right. went right. through it, and we oh, feel yeah. like it's normal. Right. But in the history of humanity, but it, right? right? So if you're looking but at the But it was also inevitable. Right. Yes. So if you're looking at age group wise, those eighteen to twenty fours, those sixteen to twenty fours, right? We may look at them as the high school seniors and the college kids, but in the history of humanity, they are the young adults. Yes, uh, who are the next um, um, contributors to the evolutionary pool. Right. Right. Now we want our kids, modern kids, to wait, right, to postpone that inevitability until they. Find the right person. They're mid twenties. They get married after they finish college, or they find that career and they job. move on. Right? They, they they have some sense of self. They have some sense of, of of independence and personal finance. Right? But the reality is that the majority of the history of humanity that wasn't the case. Right? Right? That's so so we are pushing against the history of humanity. Yeah. yeah. And really, even the history of humanity yeah. when it comes to Christianity. But see, that's where I would say you are perfectly describing original sin. Oh, bam! That is the condition of humanity, OG. which is at heart sinful mm -hmm. and disordered. So, to take it back a step, 
we all look at sex in the sense of, I want to get some pleasure out of this. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to get me some. The Catholic Church's perspective is more Aristotelian, if you will, where it's like, what is the ultimate purpose of this? I don't know what that word means. In other words... <laughs> Sorry. In other words... Not, these are two English teachers... And I don't not. know either. So don't. So to Aristotelian. Yeah. Aristotelian means mm. what is the purpose of this thing? What is the purpose of a chair? What is the purpose of a, of a table? What is the purpose of sex? The purpose of sex is not to get your jollies off. That is a corollary to that. The purpose of sex is procreation. Of course, you know mm. that my side, the progressive side, says the purpose of sex is in is environment and evolution. Saying we need a process by exactly. which people have to have sex, so we put all these chemicals in the brain when right. they get off. Right, we yeah. would agree. Right, to promote and that's it, why, and to that's promote why, it. Right, and that's why sex feels good. Right, right? exactly. Right? Uh, anyway, so we are way beyond time. No, but yours, oh, yours is awesome. So, Good job. So uh, but it's so philosophical and just deep. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. And I didn't even get into like just, I know we my notes. But. Man, alive. Holy Jim Dandy. Right. And I struggle with this whole Catholicism yeah. versus my personal opinion right. yeah. and my experiences. And to me, that's like a three-legged stool. Personal opinion, experiences, and my religion. Right. Mm. And sometimes those three match up. And sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a struggle for me to decide, well, where am I going to lie? You know, where, where do me as a person, where do I go? Right. Mm-hmm. And I tend to gravitate towards the thing mm. that benefits my family. Right. Mm. right. Practicality. Right? Because of the practicality yeah. of it. So yeah. what benefits the family that I actually have? Right. Not my perceived family mm. or my potential family right, right. or whatever. It's the what actual family, family that I actually have, right? Anymore, yeah. No, it's not theoretical. It's a practical yeah. application right. of family. And so yeah. I tend to default to that. And yeah. I, I default to mercy. You put yourself in a situation where you that. are in this situation where, where abortion is an option to begin mm-hmm. with. But yeah. I'm there to support you. I am there to love you. And I am there to help you on your path where mainly and it, it's like a default to the new testament versus the old you know if right. you're going to get into mm, stuff yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? right, you know? exactly yeah it's and jesus is so forgiving and that's right. the bottom line so I went to, um, going to go on and on. I want to glorify gals. Yes. So last weekend, I went to watch an amazing athletic event where gals were kicking ass. Nice. And they don't get the credit for kicking ass in athletics. And I went to watch UCLA. And if you guys who are listening, <laughs> please go watch YouTube tonight and watch all the great gymnastic um, athletes, and they are truly the best athletes in the world, kicking ass, in, in, um, and so I went to watch them because I watched all kinds of YouTubes on UCLA where my son goes, and there's a gal named um, Caitlin Ohashi who just kicks ass in the floor, and, and, and it's, it's just gone viral, and then... I went to watch Captain Marvel, and I was flooded with, this would never have happened, literally five, ten years ago. I'm going to say, I don't care if I'm spoiling stuff, but this gal (laughs) is more powerful than the Hulk. 
She right. really is. And it's beautiful, and you get goosebumps, and it's incredible, and this is, could not have happened five years ago. It's that powerful. She's going to beat uh, Theranos. Thanos. 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 Oh, my God. I'm really? sorry. I think. She and will. So this is not blowing any kind of, no. but go watch it. And it's a it's a great moment for girls. That's all I have to say. I haven't seen it yet. I'm gonna see it this weekend. <laughs> my only problem, my fear, is that this is a Mary Sue. What is that? Mary Sue mm, is yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Mary Sue what is, is like the girl who comes in the situation. She's already powered. They better not do that, cause I'm gonna. Be She's already powerful. <laughs> She's already invincible. She can do everything. She's perfect. What? And all what? the guys no, are stupid. Okay, so my fear I is see what you're saying. So that took a turn that I wasn't expecting. And so the guys are dumb. Yeah. yeah. She'll come she'll yeah. come in perfect, ready to go. Which is fine, but the guy shouldn't be integrated. Right. Right. Yes. right. Yeah. But that's that's so much what you call a marriage. Okay. So I'm hoping that it's like an organic Yes. Like Well, she, I was just I mean, the gal. I'm sorry. Brie Larson. She just Did you see Wonder Woman? Ass. Yes, but this is even more. Oh, really? Even more? Yes. So, okay. And Wonder Woman was insane. Mm -hmm. It was? Yeah. So, um, that's me. And Captain Marvel, go see it. Go see it, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you guys have gals, so, I mean, uh, you're going to just get goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of I love this. Oh, man. Man. What do you got, Sigur? Okay, so, for me, what I've watched recently is, is on Netflix, it's mm -hmm. called Behind the Curve. Oh, yeah. Behind the Curve oh, yeah. is yeah. a documentary about flat earthers. Right. Yep. You absolutely have to watch this. If you're listening to this podcast, regardless of what your your orientation is, you have to watch this. Can't because wait. it includes those hardcore flat earthers. It's actually, a big portion of this documentary is those folks who are the godfathers of the flat earth movement, right? right. Mm. And then it includes interjections about the non-flat earther folks. Mm. And it's like just that. a great documentary because it allows those folks who are really, really adamant about this whole idea that the earth is flat... To say to have their voice, mm. to say exactly what they believe, mm -hmm. but it also identifies those within the movement who don't agree with each other. Ah. So, if wow. you are a round earther, it's, right. it's essentially one theory: the Earth is round. Yeah, yeah. There's this round gravity keeps us on the Earth. There is this kind of atmosphere that keeps us breathing, and it thins out as we get to a certain elevation, and then we have open space. Earth rotates around the sun, it rotates around blah, 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 blah. But the flat earthers have multiple theories about what happens. That's There's even the one, cheek right? in their armor. Right? Exactly. Yes. There's even a, a dominant version of flat earthers who believe that the earth is actually flat like a disc, like a pie, mm -hmm. with a dome over it that oh, protects wow. us. And that the dome is essentially the the border of the world, right? Again, I have to ask you. It's insane. How do? But but I'm super interested in this question of how do people get beyond the mental gymnastics that it takes to to like explain all this? They don't. They don't. They don't. And here's the they don't care. No, so they they or don't care. Is but that a, is that an, an indictment of the educational system, though? No. Here's a great example of what you're asking. They actually bought this. They they you watched. 
please watch this documentary on Netflix because right. in the documentary there's a subgroup of flat earthers who buy this piece of equipment that costs twenty thousand dollars, and it's this laser equipment, and, 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 and it 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 measures like the curvature of the Earth or some whatever, right? And their whole reason for buying this piece of equipment is that it would measure the thing that round earthers say is happening, and they would be able to counter that. Right. Well. At every step, the instrument continues to measure the same thing that round earthers believe. Of course, right. So their response is, well, we just haven't gotten to the the variable (laughs) that proves that flat earthers are correct, which is insane. Of course, yeah. So watch it, enjoy it. It's really a lot of fun. At the same time, if you're a normal round earth person... Oh, here comes Joel. With his I mean, I, I have to go back to, well, <laughs> there, is there a way to get around that? There's got to be a way to get around that um, inability to look at evidence. Here's the I thing. Mean, so if you're, if, you're, if you're a flat earther, you, you pull your funds together. Right. You put a camera on the bottom of a high altitude balloon. You send it up. And eventually it will photograph a flat earth if you're a flat earther. Right. Right. Or... It'll photograph the, the curvature, curvature of the Earth, and right. it's just totally perception. But they don't do that. And here's my take on this. Right? Yeah, that's Who what I want to hear. Gives a flying. F- okay, because there yeah. there will because. always be. In other words, there will always well, be. Well, no. Yeah. Right. Okay, if the Earth is right. flat, so just for the sake of argument, if the Earth is flat, who gives a? F- who cares if they're just flat? That's, do you care? No. As no, do you care? Practicality, is no, it going to impact your day-to-day? No. Right? No, yeah. So back in the day before Galileo, they thought the Earth was flat. Yeah. Everybody was okay with that. Yeah. They thought if you went to the edge of the Earth, you, you flew, flown over the edge, or you sailed over the edge, bad things would happen. Right. Why does it that? Everybody's okay with that. There's a voice in my head that says, if they don't believe that, then they're not going to like stop for an old lady at the crosswalk. No. And I don't know. So, no, I mean, no. totally I'm worried about the, so, the morality. To me, it, it doesn't matter. If the earth is flat, okay. Right. I'm fine with that. I we still have volcanoes. True. We still have hurricanes. We still have windstorms. We still have, you know, um, um, torrential rains and, and hard winters. Right. It doesn't. We still have flooding. We still have famine. We still have droughts. It doesn't matter what the shape of the earth is. Yeah. So what is the incentive? And this is the question the flat earthers can't answer. What's the incentive mm-hmm. for a oh. vast conspiracy yeah. of round earth if the earth is flat? There is no money right. to be made by anybody no. right. if the earth right. is round. I but like there's it. a lot of money I like to be made. It. I like that. I'm going to do right? that. There's because a lot of money conspiracies are about not. either money or power. I have there's a, no money or power right. in flat earth. My son's friend is a flat earther. There's no money or, or power in flat earth yep. or round earth. Right. Really no, there's it. money in flat earth because those people then gain a following on YouTube? YouTube or blogs no, or whatever. But I, I counter that with it doesn't give a because it doesn't matter. If the earth is flat, then we'll just... Well, no, it doesn't matter to no. us. Ultimately, but, but money-wise, it does. But there's a financial gain to those right. people who, who promote it. But what? But if it actually it is flat followers, and right. it's no longer a conspiracy, then you don't get followers. In other words, right? right. You only get you only get followers because it's a, it's a conspiracy. I know, but, but that's no enough. That's a conspiracy. That's enough. And so, yeah, but that's enough. My second thing on on. Uh, like things that I agree with that most people I agree with fake news and fake news makes money it does. And, that, and so that's my deal go Jose so I just want to end by saying I recommend you get your butt on uh, Netflix and go watch 
A Man of His Word. Oh, what's that? Which is the Pope Francis documentary. Oh. My wife bought it for me on oh, Blu-ray. Hell yeah! A Man of His Word? Pope Man of His Word. Francis documentary? Go watch it. Vim Vanders, beautiful documentarian. So he um, borrowed from Errol Morris this system of um, interviewing mm-hmm. subjects, whereby there's a camera set up, and the person who's being interviewed looks directly into the camera. So it looks like the person being interviewed is talking to you, the viewer. Ooh, nice. That actually is really cool. And so Pope Francis is talk, is looking in your eyes, talking to you. But from a perspective of filmmaking, he's actually looking through the camera into the eyes of the director and talking to him. And so the so it looks What like, are the types of questions? Like are so they it's asking like, So he's they they talk about like Social injustice, social inequality. What about the environment? So throughout the film, the motif is, here's Pope Francis borrowing from um, St. Francis mm-hmm. and um, his care for the environment. Cool. And it's really cool to see Pope Francis travel the world from South America to the Philippines and everywhere in between the United States and so on. And to see how he engages the people and the poor, the sick, the marginalized, and how they just mm. gravitate toward him. I love And him. his message him. just you like him? I love Pope Francis. I like you, the you Abandon of His Word. That's a great title for a documentary about him. It is. Because he really, What's that on, by the way? Netflix. All right, it, go check it out. He really is a, and this is probably the wrong word to use, but he's very much a progressive pope. Yeah. Not progressive in, in the sense that maybe um, conservatives use the term. He's progressive in the sense that you have to continue to move forward yes. as right, humanity. Right. Exactly. You cannot be stuck in the 1800s, the 90s. You have to move forward. I love it. And he's I doing that for us as a he group. Is. Because and, and he puts I wonder who's in next. Front of- that's what I would. Yes, that's my fear. There's going to be somebody in between Ratzinger so and him. Mm, I wonder if conservatives mm. will have a backlash. Yeah, there's going to be. But right. I love him. He's the best ever right. in my lifetime. I in agree. my opinion, I agree. He puts. You talk about mercy. He puts always mercy. That's yeah. the yeah. word of yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mercy. mercy. Yep. I totally agree. That's all for this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You can do us a huge favor, please, by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbeam, Google Play, iTunes. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram and Conversation on Tap. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week. We're back at it. Cheers. And thank you so much for Jose doing this all. It's You're awesome. Welcome. Cheers. And for Jose being our guest. And Jose for being our... That was fun. That was fun. my pleasure. Woo.